Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. This episode of Intuitive Bites Podcast is brought to you by Workweek Lunch. This is something that has been a lifesaver for me. Workweeklunch.com has an amazing, affordable meal planning tool that's all about saving you time, effort, and money when it comes to your meals so you can get more out of life. We all know how meal planning can be a bit overwhelming, especially when you're trying to figure out where it fits in while working on your relationship with food with intuitive eating. That's where workweeklunch.com shines. With easy-to-follow, delicious meal plans, it takes the guesswork out of what to cook and helps you focus more on enjoying your food. What I personally love about Workweek Lunch is how it simplifies decision-making around food in the moment. No more decision fatigue about meals leading to grazing throughout the day and ultimately not feeling good. Workweek Lunch makes your life easier, giving you back those precious hours for things you love beyond the kitchen. If you're ready to get organized with your food in a way that supports, not hinders, your relationship with food, head over to workweeklunch.com slash intuitive dash bites for five of my favorite meal prep recipes that will help you totally rethink what it means to meal plan. Save time, enjoy your food, and take the stress out of mealtime with Workweek Lunch. Hey guys, welcome to episode 169 of Intuitive Bites. Today I'm talking with Kira Onisco and Chelsea Chandler, who are the co-hosts of the Wellness Check podcast, and we're talking all about setting fitness goals from an anti-diet lens. This is a conversation I have with clients very, very often when they're getting to the point in their journey where they really want to make space for joyful movement and do it in a way that doesn't spiral them back to diet mentality. So I have a really great conversation with Chelsea and Kira all about how you can set these goals from a non-diet lens. I'm excited to share this one with you guys. Uh, Don't forget to check out Kira and Chelsea's podcast, the Wellness Check podcast, and they share some other places you can find them uh, at the end of the episode. All right, let's go ahead and listen into my conversation with Kira and Chelsea. All right, welcome Kira and Chelsea. So excited that you're here today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having us. Of course. So I don't often have two guests that I'm speaking to, so we're going to navigate this together. But I'd love to start by just asking each of you like a little bit about the work you do and how you came to this space. So who wants to kick it off? Kira, go for it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Chelsea. Uh, (laughs) My name is Kira. I am a non-diet, weight neutral, body neutral, fitness professional, and... Very long story short, obviously, I'll talk a little bit about it here, but kind of got to this place from really learning the hard way about how so much of like mainstream fitness messaging can do more harm than good. So I really had to kind of work that out for myself and kind of get to this place where I was finally able to realize that like focusing so heavily on what you look like or trying to change the way you look through exercise and through the way that you eat is just such a life suck and energy suck. And so I really try and promote now through 
um, my own business, that there's just simply a better way to do things when it comes to adding movement into your life um, that is actually going to be health promoting because yeah, like simply just so many of those behaviors are not actually health promoting, mm-hmm. but they're celebrated, encouraged. And we're seeing a lot of them talked about right now being January. So yeah, I'm excited to um, have some conversations with you about that, but yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Definitely excited to talk more about this because it's something that I, a very popular conversation that I have with clients and it can really create so many like blocks for them with, with movement. Um, Okay. Chelsea, what about you? Yeah. Um, So I know most people in this space come to it kind of like after their careers have started. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, when I was in undergrad for nutrition, I actually had a professor for like one hour, one day talk about intuitive eating and health at every size, which I think is crazy because that was like 2012, um, which is really lucky. Mm -hmm. That said, like, I think most people that like hear about it for 10 minutes have like a minute understanding of what it is. So it was a long time until I came back to it. Um, after I became a dietitian too, like I did my undergrad, waited a few years and then went um, back to, to do my um, master's in dietetic internship. Um, and it was still like probably within a year after that, that I was like having everything fall into place and click because I worked for a uh, university food service and I was like, my whole job was like putting calories on menus, which I like, I I was never into that. Like I was never into like what the rest of my peers were into, but I was still like in that, like, I'm a flexible dietitian space. that was like still thinking kind of effed up stuff, you know? Um, But like, it really started to become apparent when I was like watching like 18 year olds, like be nervous in the dining hall because there's like, you know, a, a indicator on their food, if it's good or not. And I'm like, this is my whole job putting calories on menus. Like this is not my vibe. So from there I ended up moving back to where I went to college and started nutrition counseling strictly from an intuitive eating, um, and health at every size aligned approach. Um, got my certified intuitive eating counselor paid mm-hmm. for it by the university, which is cool. Oh, um, nice. and really haven't looked back. So that's kind of the, the short story, I guess. And now I do nothing. Um, because <laughs> I don't have a job. Um, Love that. I, yeah, I know. Right. So I, <laughs> we just have our podcast right now. We'll see if I do something again in the future. I did have a business for a while where I was yeah. doing online virtual, um, counseling but as you probably know it's like a hard hard thing and it didn't it didn't go very well it's so. a very hard <laughs> here we thing are they yeah. like preach like the ups and downs and all arounds are so stressful but definitely yeah. right your story in terms of like like looking back at like earlier days and like kind of cringing at some of the work I did I mean I started mm-hmm. off my career as a bariatric surgery dietitian and wow. Yeah. So like was in the trenches of like the roots of diet culture and then just like crawled my way out of there. But uh, I'm always just like interested in hearing people's paths. So thank you guys for sharing a little bit of that. Okay. Let's dive into today's topic. So I want to talk about kind of like setting goals, like anti-diet fitness goals essentially, but let's kind of like lay some groundwork here. So obviously I work with a lot of clients that have a lot of like resistance to exercise and like figuring out movement that really works for them. Um, 
one of the main barriers that I hear from them is that they still have this voice in the back of their head that is like, oh, but maybe I'll lose weight. So that really prevents them for, from engaging with movement because they're like, maybe that's why I'm doing it. So I shouldn't do it at all, which I think there's a place for that. But also there's also a time that we need to like, kind of, you know, still move forward from that, despite the, that voice kind of being in the back of your mind. So either of you want to speak to like kind of what your advice is to that situation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's definitely really common. Like Chelsea and I talk about this a lot in our podcast where like, it seems that people have somewhat of an easier quote unquote easier. None of it is easy. Uh, time, like letting go of the food rules more and like developing a better relationship with food. But when it comes to developing a better relationship, relationship with exercise can be a lot longer, a lot more challenging and not quite as smooth. Not that the first one was smooth either, but it does seem to be more challenging for a lot of people. And I think there is, because there is that sense of like, okay, so yeah, I'm all on board with like eating what I want to eat. And I can understand that there's no morality around food, but then there's for a lot of people in the back of their minds, they can still use exercise as a way to like mitigate their food intake and so there's yeah some funky stuff that can be happening there and and even like with food too obviously I'm more of the fitness piece but I really don't think that you can be improving your relationship with food or with fitness if you're not dealing with your own internalized anti-fatness like if you are always going to be fearing weight gain yeah there's no like oh, I'm going to teach you how to love exercise if you're still going to be afraid of gaining weight. You know what I mean? And and so obviously, again, something that we talk a lot about, like being too thin people is like, we can really only say so much on that topic. But I really do think that that is like the biggest piece of the puzzle there where, where you really have to battle that before you do anything else. Yeah, I also think I mean, I'm not the fitness side of things, I'm the nutrition side of things, but of course those conversa conversations have come up in many yeah. sessions. Um, but just like letting two things be true. Uh, mm -hmm. Like one thing is every time you've ever exercised in your entire life, it's been about modifying your body. So like, why the hell would that just like completely dissipate from your memory and kind of being able to like see yourself thinking that and then also kind of being curious about like other things that are going on in your mind okay well like yeah that's what I used to think and it's still in my head but I also know that I'm now here because exercising does make me feel good most of the time some of the time it's not so those days maybe we stop um but just like letting yourself have two three five trains of thought going at the same time kind of I think that's so helpful. Mm -hmm. And it's just so, so true, right? Where that like, especially like, I like your point of like, if you've been having this way of thinking, especially with movement, like if that's been your only experience with movement, like that's not just going to like completely disappear, but we can like have space that can be there while all these other things, these healing parts of you are, you know, cultivating a new relationship with movement at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think like movement's also weird because like everything kind of is like counting and like maybe you can like get away from counting calories but like when it comes to exercise it's like there's like the minutes the reps like and like it's hard yeah. to get away from like yeah 
getting to the number rather than listening to your body you know so it's like a little murkier well and like everything it seems like in fitness is so black and white like you're always good for working out you're always bad for not working out and so you have it like in your mind where if you don't hit these metrics Mm -hmm. then you failed or you might as well not have done it at all so you'll see a lot of people like feeling that they can only do a workout if it's X minutes long, or they can only do a strength training circuit if they're using this amount of weight. So there's so many of these untruths that are happening when it comes to fitness that that takes so long, really, like Chelsea was saying, to decouple from exercise and, and to learn how to get away from that thinking. But yeah, it's that that black and white thinking and fitness specifically and food as well. Like, yeah, good versus bad, all that kind of stuff. But again, yeah, that's interesting what Chelsea was saying about the numbers because, and this is something that I see a lot and something that I experienced is that for a lot of people that have, have poor relationships with both food and movement, because probably almost always it's both happening at the yeah. same time um they historically have this relationship with exercise where they're only doing it to look a certain way so their metrics that they're using to measure success quotes are like how many calories they're burning in a workout or how much weight they're losing how many inches they're losing so like again very numerical yeah. but then what can happen and like I'm trying to get careful more careful with how I say this because there absolutely is a time and place for like trying to focus more on performance. So you'll hear people say that a lot, like, you know, try not to worry so much about using exercise to look a certain way, use it to see what your body's capable of and, Mm -hmm. and to perform better, which is correct. Like research, research does show that you're going to be more likely to participate in movement you're going to have better body image compared to more like aesthetic focused motivations. But if you've been obsessed with exercise to look a certain way, it's very easy to get obsessed with exercise to perform a certain way. Yeah. So it is like this weird kind of like pipeline. I don't know if you've seen that with, um, with your clients before, or maybe they would talk to you about that. I'm not sure, but it it does seem very prevalent. And so that's why I kind of get a bit hairy around like conversations around like, yeah, don't work out to like lose weight, like just be as strong as you can and like all this stuff. And it's just like, oh, I don't know. It just makes me feel weird. That is interesting. I wouldn't say like I've seen that specifically with the clients that I work with, but I can totally see how that, yeah, could be transferred there. And it's like, oh, it's better than like focusing on, you know, aesthetics and body and like this like really critical whatever, but it's, yeah, could still be a bit disordered. Yeah, we've kind of touched on that before, Kira, too, with like ex-athletes seem to be mm. a group that it's like harder to even just like go the get stronger performance route. It can be a little more hairy, but it's just knowing your audience, which on social media, you can't really know your audience that right. well and right. with all the nuance there. But if you're working with someone individually, you can, but mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's not to say that you shouldn't be like pursuing performance goals like that or strength goals, but like anything else, like checking in with yourself and like being mindful of your intentions and like paying attention. Like if you aren't able to lift what you wanted to that day, like how is that making you feel? Like so many of the same kind of negative things that can be happening when you're 
obsessed with fitness as a way to change your body can be happening when you're using that to change your performance. Like you can find yourself like having a lot of anxiety around missing workouts, um, feeling like workouts aren't good enough, um, avoiding like social interactions and going out with friends and family because you don't want to miss your workout. And so like all that stuff, even though training for performance could be quote unquote better, like it's, it's much more nuanced than that, which is I'm sure something that you talk about as well. Like nuance in everything is, is very important. Totally. Yeah. And like your intentions behind it and, and all of that. So, I mean, this is kind of adjacent to, I mean, something I see with the clients that I work with a lot is, um, just again, like resistance to being involved with movement at all. They'll like set goals around movement and be like, okay, I'm going to like do this and this and this. And like, I, it feels important to me. So I'm going to do that. And then they're kind of on the wagon and then off the wagon. So I guess like, how do you get out of that pattern? Mm -hmm. So I think for a lot of people who have had like this experience with exercise where they've been using it so much, like as punishment, it can be hard to be like, well, what do I even like doing? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are used to only doing types of exercise that they think are going to burn the most calories or be the most intense or get them the most quote unquote results the fastest and aren't actually necessarily doing something that they really enjoy. And so one suggestion that I have for people is to like try and think back to a time before you had weird stuff with food, your body and exercise and what types of activities you were enjoying at that time. Um, and sometimes revisiting that as an adult can kind of spark that joy again. Um, while you are also working to improve your relationship with food and your body at the same time can be kind of a helpful way to go about it. Yeah. And to add on to that, mm -hmm. I think if someone was telling me I'm like meeting resistance, I keep setting these goals and I'm meeting some kind of resistance with it. Then I would say like your goals maybe are beyond what you're ready for. Not that that's a bad thing, but I always say like set the bar on the floor and then drop it a little bit underneath that. Um, I love that. <laughs> and start there because when you're doing something that's like actually manageable, mm -hmm. even if it is like the smallest, not, I don't know if that makes it sound like diminished, but even if it's a small thing to you compared to maybe what you used to think was good enough, mm -hmm. um, you have done a small thing and now you can walk away from that moment feeling accomplished rather than I set the goal of working out three times a week. I made it twice and I'm a piece of shit. It's like, you know, yes. so just right. really set the bar so, mm -hmm. so, so low and low is not bad. Mm -hmm. Especially January, you'll see mm -hmm. so often people wanting to get into a new exercise routine and immediately it's like, seven days a week. I'm going seven days a week. I haven't exercised formally in about three years, but we're going to go every single day for an hour and a half. That it, yeah. that will not work out well for you. And it wouldn't yeah. work out well for me. Like it's so much better to start off fewer workouts, shorter workouts. And once that does feel good, it, or maybe that's good where you are now, but then you can start to build, but going balls to the wall right off, right out of the gate. Yeah. Not great. It's really best to just like hibernate in January anyway. Like don't, don't get on social media. Don't look at anyone. Don't look at yourself. Don't just, just hide. And then right. once people have like settled down, then you can like, you know, re-enter the world. 
pop back out in February. That's funny. No, but I love this conversation about like, yeah, stepping the goals back. I feel like it really satisfies almost a disordered part of ourselves to go zero to a hundred and be like, I've got this like structured plan. And like, I'm uncomfortable with where I'm at and I've got to get to like the pot at the end of the rainbow and I'm going to do it by doing all of this crazy stuff. So like, it's very uncomfortable, I think for clients to uh, set the bar on the floor and then like go even below that or whatever. Right. It's like, it's so uncomfortable. It feels like it's not enough. And it feels like I'm not going to get to that pot at the end of the rainbow that I'm searching for. But I think that's what shows that it's going to be a sustainable goal and like actually a goal that's going to serve you best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially coming right off of the holidays. I think so many people are drawn to throwing themselves into an intense routine because they feel badly for their habits over the holidays. And so just this time of year, just all around is a big clusterfuck for lack of a better term. (laughs) It totally is. Yeah. Okay. So let's like talk about the specifics of like setting an anti-diet fitness related goal. Like where does somebody who's listening to this that wants to do that, like, where do they start? Yeah, again, so trying to find what you think will be an enjoyable type of activity for you or something that you might want to do. Like another thing that I'm trying to be more mindful of, and maybe you and your listeners are aware of it too, but if you follow a lot of accounts online that are more movement focused, it's all about joyful movement, right? Like joyful, joyful, joyful. And like, of course, I think it's always better to do movement that you actually enjoy. But for a lot of people, especially if they have had such a troubled relationship with it and have used exercise as punishment and it's just like been this grueling experience, it's going to be really hard to like flip that switch and be like, every workout I do, I'm going to prance around because I'm so joyful. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, so I'm, I'm trying to be more mindful of my language around that. So like, if it's not something that you want to do, maybe something that you might want to do and mm-hmm. and start to get curious there. And yeah, exactly what Chelsea was saying the starting off slow and steady sustainability is sexy like we love to see that um (laughs) anything else you'd want to add there Chelsea yeah um I guess maybe it's kind of the same thing that you're saying but expand your definition of what you think fitness is Mm. um because it's not just the gym and like muscle tanks and like weird men at you know one of those like gold's gyms kind of places it's not that it's not just girls putting the camera by their butt while they do curls <laughs> like you're always directly up the butt <laughs> it, it is the endoscope is that what it is when it's up the butt endoscope oh, I don't know I think that's <laughs> cool. the other way oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like hula hooping pickleball is so mm-hmm. popular right now like things mm-hmm. that make me feel more like play um yeah. but just like very much expanding your definition of fitness and while you're at it expanding just like your general definition of like what you what health means to you what you're um feeling like is mm-hmm. actually important to you not what you have been told the definition of these things are yeah that's so helpful and that that's something i always come back to with all of this too is like within movement like really getting clear on like your reasons why like if the reasons have always been I want my body to look like this I want my the number on the scale to look like this like then we've got to get really really clear on like what are these supportive self-care minded reasons to move and then 
thinking about what movement is going to align with those goals. Oh, mm -hmm. also, um, I don't know if you see this a lot in counseling, uh, but reminding yourself that you're not an asshole for ever having like aesthetic goals. Like, Ooh. I think a lot of people, when they come into like a body neutral space, they're like, well, I'm a piece of shit because I thought about like the way I didn't like my legs today or something. I was like, mm -hmm. No, like you're doubling down on your, your guilt right now. I think we can, it's like what I said before, like two things can be true. Like you can like recognize that maybe that wasn't like the most supportive thing. And then it comes from a place of anti-fat bias, yada, yada, yada. And also not like punish yourself for like recognizing that those things are going on in your head. You're not like we, mm -hmm. we like simmered in this shit pot our whole life. Like you're not gonna, like I said before, just like forget those things were once important to you. And yeah, you're not a bad person for having those thoughts. Yeah. And I feel like that shift of like when you can introduce some compassion and stop that downward spiral of guilt and shaming yourself, whatever, like that's, that can be a real turning point just in how you're relating to yourself and then how all of this goes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would add as well too, this would be good any time of year, but really making sure that you are diversifying what you're seeing online, especially when it comes to movement. If you are wanting to improve your relationship with movement, like you need to be seeing all kinds of bodies participating in movement. So really kind of taking stock of what you're seeing online. And on the flip side too, like if you are really noticing accounts aren't speaking to you anymore and you are seeing them go in a direction that doesn't feel aligned with where you are now. Mute, like muting is great. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you talk about that as well. Um, but yeah, really, really kind of taking stock of, of what you're seeing online and that's going to be helpful as well. Yeah. Love that recommendation. It can make such a big difference um, in how you're feeling scrolling scrolling through these different things okay so one final question I want to ask you guys is and I feel like we've touched on a lot of this throughout our conversation but let's just like really specifically lay it out like what is the difference between kind of like more of an anti-diet fitness goal and a more like diet culture you know based fitness goal you're yeah. Oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Get in there. Yeah, definitely, definitely something that is is going to be focused on the aesthetic part of things. And I think another thing, too, is, you know, a lot of people might see a more diety focus to uh, exercise or movement being just like getting thinner and losing weight. But actually, I see it more often now where it's like, wanting to look more muscular, but muscular in certain areas, um, kind of that like stereotypical quote unquote, like gym girl body. Like your butt. Again, <laughs> yes, that was the right. area, <laughs> specifically the ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, and oh. so even though that, even though there might not be a focus on weight loss there, and often it's like the opposite, like a lot of people are actually trying to put weight on, the focus is still on a very specific body shape and an idealized body shape. And that's going to still have the same impact on your own body image because you are still putting so much energy into changing the way that you're looking. Mm -hmm. I think a more like if you're kind of like, is this a diety goal? Like you're kind of like not really sure and you're looking for more subtle indicators that maybe it's not aligned with whatever anti-diet, non-diet goals you have. 
maybe asking yourself, like, does what I'm doing right now pull me away from listening to my body or pull me towards listening to my body? Um, so like, if you're like on the treadmill and you're like, I should go an extra 10 minutes. Like I need to go an extra 10 minutes because I said that I was going to be here for 25 minutes. Well, is that me listening to a goal that I think is going to make my body look different? Or am I feeling really charged today and I can go an extra 10 I'm feeling strong and good. And this is fun. You know what I mean? So just like really getting in touch with like, is, is this helping me connect with my body or feeling like I'm, I'm disconnecting a little bit. I love that question. That's really, really helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate everything that we've talked about today so, so much. Thank you again so much for being here. Um, can you each of you share where people can find you guys online or collectively where people can find you and any offers that you have right now? Yeah, here well, like it. we mentioned before, Chelsea and I have a podcast of our own. We talk a lot about a lot of the same things that we've been talking about today called the wellness check podcast um, available wherever you get your podcasts. And I am working online. I have online programming from uh, on-demand workout videos to personalized programming. If you require a little bit more personalization or you would appreciate a bit more support and both of those options are weight and body neutral. And Chelsea, where can we find you? Um, well, you can find me at <laughs> RD <see>. underscore, <laughs> um, RD underscore Chelsea on Instagram or TikTok, where I have not personally posted anything for like, I don't know, the better part of six months to a year. Um, there, there's archival remnants of my social media presence there. And if you're like, what do you mean, Chelsea? Like, I see you posting on RD Chelsea. I want you to know that's Kira keeping me alive and That's sending so collabs yes. check account yeah digging through the depths <laughs> of her instagram account while well, resurrecting just, things well i'm just like a piece of shit over here no. like completely unable to interact in social media anymore <laughs> i always think that i'm gonna like come back like you said i hadn't seen you're not yet. missing out on anything but, i'm jealous yeah. i <laughs> social media sucks I want to be like Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to manage my account for me anymore. Just know that, like, I take what I can get. So That's she's my ghostwriter now. Yeah, amazing. Wait, okay. So, and you guys have a page, like a an Instagram for your podcast too, right? We do. Yeah. What is Correct. the yeah, also yeah. uh wellness check pod? Okay, and then Kara, did you share your handle? I might have missed it. Oh, maybe I didn't. It's just my name at Kira Onisco. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys again so, so much for being here. Uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. All right, guys, that's a wrap on episode 169. You can learn more about Kira and Chelsea's podcast over on their Instagram at wellnesscheckpod. And if you've been listening to my podcast for a while now and haven't left a rating or review over on iTunes, it would be greatly appreciated. It helps the podcast get out to more people. Um, So go ahead and, and do that if you haven't already done so. And I will see you all back here in a couple of weeks.